Today on the podcast, a judge says he won't hire clerks who went to Yale. Is he just a big Harvard fan? Or is there more going on here? Yes, of course there is. We unpack this and talk about the supremely ambitious James Ho. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So I went to the University of Arizona, and I'll admit I have a slight bias against folks who went to our arch rivals, Arizona State. But does that mean I'd refuse to hire any of their alums? I don't think so. Of course, my animus toward the Sun Devils is rooted solely in college athletics. James Ho's views toward Yale University have to do with something that has higher stakes, or arguably higher stakes, politics. The Trump-appointed judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit grabbed headlines last month when he announced he would no longer hire any law clerks who attended Yale. Ho said it had to do with cancel culture, but the reasons may have more to do with him angling for a promotion to a higher court. We're going to get into all this with Lydia Wheeler and Vivia Chen, two Bloomberg Law columnists who wrote about Judge Ho and his Yale boycott. I started off by asking Lydia to tell me more about Ho and his background. So James Ho is a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, which is based in New Orleans. Um, This is a court that handles uh, all appeals that come from district courts in Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana. And Judge Ho was appointed to this court by former President Donald Trump in 2017, confirmed by the Senate in 2018. But he's never been a judge before. So before his nomination, he was actually a private practice attorney. Uh, He was an appellate litigator at Gibson Dunn um, Crutcher. And he also, prior to that, served as the Solicitor General of Texas uh, from 2008 to 2010. So it sounds like Judge Ho uh, has a long history in the legal profession, if not in the judiciary. Uh, But obviously... The reason we're talking about him is that uh, he announced last month that he would not hire clerks who went to Yale Law School. Uh, What was his reasoning here? Why did he place this uh, sort of Yale boycott on his clerkships? Right. So this boycott was publicly announced while he was uh, giving a speech to the Federalist Society in Kentucky. And in that speech, he basically said that this country has a real problem with cancel culture. Um, And he gave several examples of times when conservatives have been speaking at law schools and students have protested their speeches or disrupted them. And he said that this is happening most frequently at Yale Law School um, and that this Ivy League school is basically teaching its students that there's no consequences to being intolerant to opposing uh, viewpoints that other people have, and that his main argument is that we need to teach children how to tolerate and disagree with one another, and that Yale is not doing that. So, Vivia, you know, we're talking about this latest, uh, uh, you know, fracas, I guess, with Judge Ho, but, uh, you know, this is not the first time he's been in the headlines. Can you talk about his sort of previous uh, experience? Well, he's tried to interject himself in the headlines for a a number of times now. Uh, Just as recently as earlier this year, you know, there was a controversy about a comment that was made by conservative scholar Ilya Shapiro, who at that time was at GW. And uh, Shapiro had questioned the credentials of the not yet named black female nominee to the Supreme Court that Biden had said that he intended to nominate. And, you know, 
Shapiro talked about this woman as being sort of a lesser candidate, and he got a lot of flack for it. And immediately Ho jumped into that issue and defended his friend Shapiro. There were other instances, too. You know, there was a, a, an interesting article in NPR at one point asking whether Judge Ho was writing legal opinions or political commentary. Uh, again, you know, Ho demonstrated that he could be really aggressive in his rhetoric. Um, I think there were times when he called uh, some interpreters of the Constitution woke constitutionalist, and then he also has called, in his opinion, abortion a moral tragedy. So he's going there. Um, now, it is important to note that Judge Ho is not an Ivy League graduate. Um, he has his law degree from the University of Chicago. Uh, he have his, has his bachelor's degree from Stanford University. So he's it's not like he's some alum of either Harvard or Yale or an opposing school. Um, and I will say that judges do this, you know, they have certain proclivities when they hire law clerks, right? And they're allowed to make those decisions. Um, you know, Justice Clarence Thomas back in 2000, 2010, even though he is an Ivy League grad, he said that he doesn't like to hire kids from Ivy League schools to be his law clerk because he wants them to be really diverse. But that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's a huge distinction between a judge saying, I don't like to hire Ivy League grads and what Judge Ho is doing, which is saying, I will not hire grads from this law school. I mean, can he do this? Are there any rules about, you know, what what sort of hiring discrimination uh, amongst judges? Right. So he can definitely, as I said, decide, you know, who he wants to hire as his law clerk. Judges have full discretion to make those decisions. Um, But it's not clear if he can do what he did here, which is formally announce a boycott. And not only did he say, I'm boycotting law clerks from Yale Law School, but I'm going to enlist other judges to join me in this public boycott. Um, And so some of the legal scholars that I talked to, you know, said that it's not clear if he has violated any uh, judicial codes of ethics here, uh, you know, that judges have to say, you know, judges have to take an oath and follow the code of conduct that says that they have an ethical obligation to make appointments fairly and on the basis of merit, and that they should, you know, avoid using the prestige of their office to advance a private interest. And so some legal scholars say that he might have violated that code of conduct here. But of course, there's there's a big difference between you know what the rule says and enforcing the rule. Uh, so if he did indeed violate this code of conduct, who would enforce it? I mean, you, I, I already know the answer to this. It's his fellow judges on the on the Fifth Circuit, right? I mean, can you get into that a little bit? Right. So there's a committee of of judges that would handle any sort of complaint that comes in against him. Um, So like if he but but somebody would have to file that complaint and that could come from anybody. But yes, that would be a specific committee set up within the Fifth Circuit that handles these sort of complaints. And then they would decide if it warrants any action um, and if they're going to investigate this and look into it. And the repercussions here are, you know, I guess they could give him a little slap on the wrist. They could publicly reprimand him. I mean, this isn't the sort of thing that's going to get him like impeached, you know, and he's not going to be tossed off the bench. But I mean, they could issue some sort of opinion or a written, you know, statement that basically reprimands him. And 
you know, legal scholars that I talk to says that judges really rely on the respect of their fellow judges and that, you know, if he were to get some sort of public reprimand like this, that this would kind of mark him as an outlier among his peers. And, you know, there, there's, you know, whether or not he'll be disciplined by his fellow judges, which could be sort of a, a, a blemish on his career. But there's also the issue of attorneys trying cases before him. Some of those attorneys went to Yale. And it sounds like there's a chance that he might, uh, you know, be asked to recuse himself in those cases. What's going on with that? If if I I'm if my lawyer went to Yale and I'm before Judge Ho, should I ask to, him to recuse himself? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. You know, legal scholars I talked to said that, you know, any sort of recent graduate that comes before him could make a case that says, you know, he, uh, this judge is biased against me and I want him off my case. I want somebody new. But that request would actually go to Judge Ho. And he is the one that decides whether or not he should recuse um, himself from that case. And so he is the ultimate decision maker there. Um, And so but he would have to, if he gets a formal request like that, uh, I believe he would have to say, give a reasoning as to why he's going to recuse himself. Or I I don't think he has to, but I think he would likely in that event, you know, give some sort of opinion as to why he's denying that motion. Now, Vivia, let's turn to you. And you wrote a really fascinating column about sort of the game behind the game. What's really going on here? I get the sense you think this was a bad move um, from Judge Ho. Why do you think he did this? Well, I think the first and most obvious reason is that it captures our attention. I mean, we're we're talking about it right now, right? And and numerous articles have been written about his uh, declaration that Yale is now officially on his, you know, bad list. So why is he doing this? I mean, I think he's doing it because he wants a spotlight. He wants to be known as the cultural warrior judge, which, you know, is a real deviation from the role of the federal jurist. You know, federal jurist of all people, of all the judges, tend to be sitting up high on, you know, not quite Mount Olympus, but they are sitting up high there sort of deciding, you know, important issues of the day and they stick to their issues or they're supposed to stick to the issues. But instead, he has plunged headfirst into the cultural wars and he's getting a lot of attention as a result. I think, you know, let's be honest, I think all elite law schools skews liberal at this point. And yes, I think it's regrettable sometimes that um, more conservative voices are not heard. Um, that is the way it is. I mean, I think, you know, that criticism is not invalid, but should Ho be the one to make this criticism or certainly the way he's made it? I mean, that's a totally separate set of questions. You know, that was something that when I was chatting with people ab- about this, you know, public boycott that people were saying kind of over and over again is that he didn't need to make some sort of public announcement that he was going to boycott, you know, Yale Law grads. He could have just privately made that decision on his own, you know, and that, you know, maybe the sin here is that he said it out loud, you know, maybe he should have just kept that to himself. So that makes you think that there's, you know, a reason why he decided to go so public about this. And it is, you know, definitely drawing attention to himself. But Vivia, you made a really good point that, you know, the issue of 
sort of a diversity of viewpoints and, and diversity of ideology on college campuses and in law schools uh, is a serious issue. I mean, it's you know something that is can be debated, but it sounds like you feel like you know he's almost kind of trivializing this this debate in a way. Do I do I have that right? I think he's exploiting it more than trivializing it. He's sort of riding that wave to make a point that's kind of beside the point, if you ask me. Uh, you know, it's it, he's using all the buzzwords, right? Cancel culture. We're supposed to like, oh, my God, we know what that means. We're supposed to quake in our boots about it. I, you know, the only thing he didn't say was, you know, critical race theory. And that would have completed <laughs> right. the whole picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, again, you know, he has, I think, other motives for doing this. Right. Well, and I want to finish with that. But first, let me play devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, you know, you're talking about Judge Ho doing this to sort of burnish his image and kind of get into, you know, the the headlines, which it sounds like he has accomplished. Is this really, though, a new thing? I mean, are there have there never been judges who are interested in sort of self-promotion in the past? Oh, I'm sure there have been, but I think we're entering a new era where it seems more prevalent than before, and it it seems like they're uh, staking their ground in a in a more bold way than we've seen in the past. Um, you know, one of the law professors I spoke to about this phenomenon attributed really to sort of the Trump era, right? It's it, you have to sort of wave your flag uh, as to where you stand. And Ho has certainly done that, but he's not the first to do that. I mean, we recently saw that same thing happening in a, in a different way with Judge Eileen Cannon, you know, who seemed to be holding, be very stubborn in, in defending Trump in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. This is the judge who, who uh, you know, agreed to the Trump request to appoint a special master in that case. That's right. That's right. So finally, let's sort of get into the kind of, you know, the chess match or the, as I mentioned, the game behind the game here. You know, Judge Ho is on uh, the Fifth Circuit. That's uh, an appellate court. He has a lifetime appointment. What is his end game here? Because if he wants a promotion, there's only one other court uh, that is higher than this that he can go to, and that would be the Supreme Court. Do you think that's what he's angling for? Is, is this a way to put himself on the short list of a Republican president's Supreme Court nominees? Or is this just, are, are we reading too much into this and is this is just something that he cares about and is important, important to him? Well, I guess it could be both, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it does matter to him. He seems to be a, you know, true conservative at the same time. You can't help but wonder whether he is aiming for something else. And, you know, one thing that's missing, has been missing in the Supreme Court is the first Asian nominee, right? So yeah. he is staking that out and, you know, making his brand known and certainly getting a lot of attention from those people in the Federalist Society who would be in a position to put his name forward. You're right. I mean, because in the event that uh, President Biden either does not seek re-election or loses re-election and we have a Republican president in two years, there could be some vacancies. Uh, and, you know, it seems like this would be something that would would you know, rocket your name to the top of the list or close to the top of the list, at least. Well, he's a young guy, too, right? So yeah, that's he right. Has, he's playing the long game. 
I definitely agree that he's playing the long game. And it's important to also note that he was already on President Trump's shortlist for the Supreme Court. So he already kind of got a taste of, you know, that this could be a possibility. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if he had some, you know, ulterior motives here, which is I want to kind of remain in the spotlight. I want to be vocal. I want to show that, you know, conservatives that I'm, you know, a viable candidate still, even if the next um, president isn't Donald Trump. Um, you know, he might be trying to signal to, you know, whoever the next candidate or president is that, um, you know, he's he's very much um, someone that should be appointed to that position. Um, but yeah, there are still aging members of the court. The court has taken a big shift recently. We have several new members um, who are younger, but, uh, you know, Justice Clarence Thomas is getting up there in age. Um, Samuel Alito is still, uh, he's also another one that's a little bit older, um, you know, so there could certainly be some vacancies on the court. And, you know, given that Clarence Thomas is a reliable conservative who has really railed against, you know, liberals in the past, especially during his, you know, he's been very bitter about the way his confirmation hearings went down. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that he, if a Republican takes office, that he would say, okay, now is my time. I want to make sure that I'm replaced by another conservative like me and he could retire. Yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, Vivia Chen and Lydia Wheeler talking with us about Judge James Ho and Yale Law School. Uh, Thank you guys so much for talking with us here. Thanks for having us, David. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. An individual's race should not be used to help him or harm him in his life's endeavors. A pair of lawsuits has made its way to the Supreme Court, and the decision could dramatically change just who gets into which college. Bloom is effectively using the Asian community as pawns. Every lawsuit needs a villain. To mask an anti-Black and anti-Latino agenda. Does this demoralize me? No, it doesn't demoralize me. This season on Uncommon Law, we'll explore the arguments and the people driving this latest battle over affirmative action. Can the Constitution be used to remedy society's ills? I'm the only person in class who has to raise my hand and say, okay, well, actually, here's how this affects people that look like me. Does the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause prohibit all discrimination based on race? You let somebody in because of their race, you're keeping somebody else out because of their race. There might have been two or three Latinos, including me. And so somehow that's too much. Somehow that goes too far. It's hard not to take that very personally. Coming October 25th, part one of a three-part series on affirmative action. What's being decided is whether black and brown people are going to be excluded in significant numbers. Only on Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Industry Group.